Hey, we're honoured that you have chosen to join us for this episode of Lycan Scripture, for your soul's profit and learning. The podcast for those interested in applying ideas from Scripture in their own lives. We'll seldom cover every verse, may occasionally give background information, but always model a method of likening the Scriptures. As we were able to cover all the chapters for this week in one episode, we are here taking a closer look at parental responsibility, because it's the foundation for Lehi's last words to his family. We're presenting some thoughts regarding parenting. All the material for this episode is based on our own imperfect understanding and imperfect experiences. When it comes to parenting, things did and do not often go smoothly for us, so we are not claiming to be any kind of experts or good examples. Ignore what is useless and improve what is questionable. Ideas for Parenting Can we assume there's no need to recommend prayer, fasting and scripture studying in relation to any of the challenges we face with our children? Hopefully those are already our first resorts. It is indeed the thought that should be first in our minds, first in our actions, and first on this list. All subsequent suggestions are in no particular order. Heavenly Father must be assumed the greatest parent we know. Yet even before earth, one third of all his children used their agency to make choices he did not want for them. We can draw at least two conclusions. One, the freedom to choose is a very important principle. Sacrosanct even. God was not prepared to force his children to make a particular choice regardless of how many children were involved. And we have already agreed with that preeminence of agency or we would not be here. Teach them correct principles and let them govern themselves. The second conclusion? Even the best parents might have children who make choices different from what we would want and or different from the ideal. Poor choices by children is not necessarily an indication of poor parenting. If you are often in conflict with a child, you think you're right and she or he thinks they are right, I recommend a very interesting book. It is titled, It's Not Luck, by Eliyahu Goldratt especially starting about page 27 and going through to page 31. Likely it might make more sense if you read the whole book, but most of it is not aimed at family conflict resolution, while the part mentioned definitely is. When children make choices we think are poor, we start second-guessing ourselves. What did we do wrong? From experience... You can always find multiple answers to the question, what did we do wrong? Welcome to the world, and especially welcome to parenting. It does not come with a manual, partly because you'd need a different one for each child. So this question is useless and destructive. We can profitably ask ourselves, what revealed family truth can we improve in? Here is a almost certainly non-exhaustive list of these truths. 
Do we have prayers as a family every morning and night? Or at least almost every morning and night? Do we have family scripture study? Read, ponder, discuss daily? Or at least almost daily? Do we have meaningful family home evening every week? Or at least almost every week? Do we go to church and fully participate every week? Or at least most weeks? Do we, as a family, live the golden rule? Or at least strive to live the golden rule? Do we, as a parent, take additional opportunity to teach correct principles? Do we, as a parent, strive to live as disciples of Christ? Do we walk the talk? Or do we just talk? Do we show an example of service and magnifying our callings, including our calling as spouse and parent? Do we show an example of the repentance process by telling our children when we are wrong, especially with regards to them, asking for forgiveness from them, making sensible restitution, correcting ourselves and then moving on? Actually, I personally believe the list is not much longer than the one we just presented. I know it has been a great comfort to be able to answer these questions positively in times of parental trial even when you are hurting for the decisions others have made for themselves. Agency does not mean the same as the world's definition of freedom. I personally have never liked and always spoken out against the use of the term free agency. It is agency or freedom to choose, because agency is not free. So our children are free to choose, but not free from the consequences of those choices. Two personal examples. We have always told our children that there are certain things they have to do while they live with us. It is essentially the first five points of the previous list, plus helping out with tasks around the house. We have minor consequences for occasional lapses. One of those, missing church any time without being at this door, meant they did not get to enjoy the family Sunday dinner, the best meal of the week. They just got some sandwiches instead. This meal has been missed a number of times and by more than one child, but actually not that often. We got some flack for our rule, including one church member speaking out against it in a sacrament talk, so maybe it's not a good rule but it seemed to allow agency and result in consequences and seemed to be reasonably successful in achieving a positive outcome, from our point of view. More fundamentally, the choices either live at home and do all those things or don't live at home, so you do not have to do all those things. Only one of our children has chosen the latter path at any stage before turning 21. It was extremely difficult and worrying for us to stick to the consequences at that point. It happened twice. The first time the child was gone for three days, the second for three weeks. Luckily, we did know where they were. Some thoughts about agency and coercion. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
John 3:5 By some the need to be baptized would be called coercion. They refer to the definition of coercion as to compel by authority. Jesus authoritatively declares that you must be baptized because you cannot enter heaven any other way. It can also be argued that it is not coercion because the same definition of coercion continues on without regard for individual desire or volition. In other words, without giving any choice to the individual. And there is a choice given by the Savior. Be baptized and receive the chance to live with God. Don't be baptized and don't receive the chance to live with God. You can choose. In fact, God protects that freedom to choose completely. If you did not get the chance to choose, because you did not know about the choice, you are given that chance in the spirit world. Still your choice. Still his authority. Still the same consequences, one way or the other. Many of those who claim coercion when discussing God's standards do so to assuage their own conscience. And it came to pass that I said unto them that I knew that I had spoken hard things against the wicked, according to the truth. And the righteous have I justified, and testified that they should be lifted up at the last day. Wherefore the guilty taketh the truth to be hard, for it cutteth them to the very centre. First Nephi chapter 16 verse 2 The Lord, as our parent, sets the bottom line for us. Following His example, we, as parents, set the bottom line for our children while they are in our home. We continue to remind them about the bottom line after they are no longer in our home. The bottom line we remind them about when they are no longer in our home is more along the lines of the Lord's bottom line. Hopefully, the bottom line in our homes is at least based on the Lord's bottom line. Our approaches to parenting may differ. We'll use an example here. Some parents have different ideas about digital games. Using first or second or third person shooting games as an example, when considering these games, there are a whole host of different approaches we might take in our home, including, but not limited to, encouraging our children to play them, playing them with our children and calling it family bonding or togetherness or even family home evening. Encouraging our children not to play these games. Forbidding our children to play these games. Forbidding our children to play any electronic or digital games. Taking our children to the shooting range instead and helping them to learn how to use a real gun. While each of us may think one or some of these approaches are better than others, We should not find fault with anyone for any of these approaches. We would hope and assume that whatever the approach is, it is a considered, deliberate approach, and that its success is reviewed periodically and tweaked as required. I believe Heavenly Father makes considered decisions. 
I believe he allows us to do the same for those whom we have stewardship over. In fact, I believe Heavenly Father not only allows, but expects us to do so. No doubt Heavenly Father can explain every rule or bottom line he sets. Maybe we feel he often does not explain. At least sometimes that must be because we are not ready to understand. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Isaiah 28 verse 10 Sometimes because we get to develop faith in him rather than just his logic. For he will give unto the faithful line upon line, precept upon precept, and I will try you and prove you herewith. Doctrine and Covenants, section 98, verse 12. A good example is the commandment to Adam to make sacrifices. And after many days an angel of the Lord appeared unto Adam, saying, Why dost thou offer sacrifices unto the Lord? And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. Moses 5, verse 6. So Heavenly Father... A good example sets some rules that he does not explain or does not immediately explain. We get to trust that they are good for us. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. John chapter 7 verse 17 However, there is no doubt he can explain all his bottom line. It is good for us to consider all of our own rules and be able to explain them at least to ourselves. This is rules we are talking about. It would also be good to do the same thing with individual decisions. Did we say no just because? Or do we actually have a good reason? Sometimes we say no just because or due to a vague feeling of uneasiness or because we do not have time to do a detailed cost-benefit analysis. Sometimes that is okay, even the best thing to do in that situation. Only sometimes, though. Yet we should always be able to explain our rules. Rules are set with forethought. They are set to accomplish a certain result. Therefore, we should be able to explain our rules. That does not necessarily mean our listener will understand our reasons, or, more often, may not want to understand, because then they might have to agree with them. Having said all that, there is a major difference between our Heavenly Father and ourselves. He knows the right answer for every question. We do not. And we're not supposed to. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you, when you took no thought save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right, and if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore you shall feel that it is right. Doctrine and Covenants 9 verses 7 and 8 And that confirmation from God does not always come immediately. 
So it is possible that we might set rules with the best intentions and clear reasons and then later review our rules in the line of new experience or new revelation. Our rules could change where God's rules would not. But God does not change the baseline just because we argue with Him, and neither need we just because our children argue with us. But we should be open to changes when, under no pressure, we review the effectiveness of our current rules and decide that they could be made better then it might also be a great teaching moment to share this repentance process with our children. Just as an aside, our rule about Sunday dinner was not that the persons who did not attend church went without dinner. They did not fast. Generally, they had something simple like a sandwich or two-minute noodles, which they made themselves. We did set guidelines so that the encouragement from the rule was not lost by the persons making themselves a feast. They were encouraged, though not forced, to eat the food they prepared for themselves with the family and fortunately usually did. This was so that they could be part of one of our traditions, which was for everyone to relate something new and or positive that they had learned or experienced at church during our Sunday dinner. Them being there had the initially unintended additional benefit of making the consequences of their choices even more obvious as they compared their own simple meal with a more elaborate meal the rest of the family enjoyed. Perhaps the person mentioned earlier who berated us in sacrament meeting thought we starved those family members who did not attend. That's not the case. However, it would have been perfectly fine if we had decided to let them fast that meal. Missing one meal hurts no one. The Lord even commands us to miss two in succession at least once a month. But we did not take that approach, though others might do so without any judgment from us. Speaking of judgment, we actually cannot go through life without making judgments. Some say we should not judge. Not the Lord, though. And now, verily, verily, I say unto thee, Put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. And this is my spirit. Doctrine and Covenants, section 11, verse 12. Therefore, my son, see that you... Are merciful unto your brethren, deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. And if ye do all these things, then shall ye receive your reward. Yea, ye shall have mercy restored unto you again. Ye shall have justice restored unto you again. Ye shall have a righteous judgment restored unto you again. And ye shall have good rewarded unto you again. Alma 41 verse 14 And now, my brethren, seeing that ye know the light by which ye may judge, which light is the light of Christ, see that ye do not judge wrongfully. For with that same judgment which ye judge, ye shall also be judged. Moroni chapter 7 verse 18 For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. Matthew 7 verse 2 We get to judge what is best for us. We get to judge what is best to help our family progress. 
we get to judge whether our children's current actions are in line with the Lord's plan. We get to judge how to best help them. And we are held accountable for those judgments and the ensuing action or inaction. And now a commandment I give unto you. If you will be delivered, you shall set in order your own house, for there are many things that are not right in your house. Doctrine and Covenants 93 verse 43 In the first book of Samuel, Eli has two sons whom he does nothing to correct. In chapter 2, it is made clear that Eli teaches them and growls them, but enforces no consequences and takes no other actions. Now Eli was very old, and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 22 to 25 What are the consequences of this failure to act? Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me for ever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honour me I will honour, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 1 Samuel 2 verse 30 True, Eli is not just the father, but also the high priest. He is not only neglecting his personal parental responsibility, but his ecclesiastical responsibility also. We also are the Lord's representatives in our own home. Our family is, after all, the basic unit of the church, and the church is the vehicle through which the saving ordinances are administered. We may worry that making commandments like church attendance part of the house rules might help cause resentment against the gospel in general. And that is possible. We cannot control that. That is an individual choice. But we all do know that the Lord will hold us responsible for our actions. So if we do not set and enforce rules, we might justifiably worry that our thoughts and actions or inactions will be judged insufficient. And we did magnify our office unto the Lord, taking upon us the responsibility, answering the sins of the people upon our own heads if we did not teach them the word of God with all diligence. Wherefore, by laboring with our might, their blood might not come upon our garments. Otherwise their blood would come upon our garments, and we would not be found spotless at the last day. Jacob chapter 1 verse 19 If you currently interact with children on a regular basis, as a parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, primary teacher, school teacher, Sunday school teacher, coach or mentor, or if you are likely to do so in the future, we challenge you to do two things. First, check that your rules can all be explained with a clear focus on the best interest of the child, 
and that most of your spur-of-the-moment decisions can be explained the same way. If so, keep up the good work. If not, see if you can improve. Second, are we consistent in helping children understand the reasonable consequences of agency? If so, keep up the good work. If not, find a method or approach that will enhance your effectiveness in this area. We sincerely hope this podcast provides you both benefit and enjoyment. You know it is the application of Scripture currently relevant to you and the focus on Jesus Christ in your own life that are important and that we are trying to encourage. If you have had success with likening Scripture, we'd love to hear details. You can share your experience publicly on the Lycan Scripture Facebook page or use the contact page at lycanscripture.com where only we will see your response in the first instance. We look forward to catching up with you again next time, when we will cover 2 Nephi chapter 3. We'll also feature several contributions by podcast listeners in that episode, so be sure to join us. Until then, may God bless all your righteous endeavors, and especially your righteous parenting endeavors.